0: this some kind of joke? <laughs> That's all right. There's. Did someone put salt in my water once? <laughs> Just be glad what? Okay. All right. Well, we have uh, uh, some exciting news and some updates to give you. Um, actually, I shouldn't take that too far. Uh, just to just to bring you up to speed, and also just to also give you the updates on what's happening on our end, because uh, some of you might not be aware, or just just uh, fill in the the picture for you. Uh, tomorrow, kind of, I start this new job uh, this this coming week. Yeah, it's a holiday. They didn't give it to me off. Should have. Uh, should have started, yeah. Yeah, well, I'll, that brings me to another point on the pay. Um, anyway, so this, this new role I'll be uh, jumping in on is uh, working with the, the Coalition for Youth Ministries, where I got my master's degree, uh, which is under the umbrella of youth worker community. So, essentially, I'll be reaching out and mentoring and coaching uh, youth pastors across Canada, uh, specifically the students that attend this school. Currently, the school is in uh, Kelowna. They do a week at a time, uh, four weeks a year, uh, with uh, the professors that they fly in. And I'll be hosting the professors, the students. I'll be marking the students' papers and uh, walking alongside them. They also have started now. And uh, oh, look at this. Thank you, Dustin. What a gentleman. No salt. Good. Yeah, they've also started one in Manitoba, and and there's word that there might be another starting soon, and so I'll be helping with that, uh, and I'll also be um, starting to work on my doctorate. So that's kind of the road ahead uh, for us uh, and our family, Uh, and with that uh, transition, uh, we likely will be stepping back from Gospel Chapel for a season at least, uh, probably at least a few months, uh, so you won't see us around uh, we'll be perhaps touring some of the other churches because I've never been to any of the other churches uh, save one, and uh, and and we'll be worshiping elsewhere for for a bit, and we hope to re-engage with you down the road in 2024. Of course, we want to be in conversation with uh, the leaders here, with the elders, uh, and and just making sure that that's smooth. Uh, so that's that's our end of things, and so. Uh, on the other end, we had um, given the elders the news uh, months ago, and the, the first things that came up was, okay, you know, we know Ben's going. What are the immediate needs for the congregation? And, and two things came up. One was the pastoral care and shepherding, which is so important uh, for the congregation. And so Doug and the elders are are engaging in that and have been already um, you know, taking that on certainly as elders and certainly as, uh, as a pastor for, for Doug, it's a, it's a priority for him, uh, but also engaging with some of uh, the leaders right here within our congregation uh, to help give that care uh, for the flock. And so that's, that's been in motion already. But the other piece is, is kind of more on the managerial end of things uh, where we have staff we have our, our organization and mission and vision to, to continue moving forward uh, and also to look for the next pastoral hire. Uh, this church is, is too big for, for one pastor. We believe we need for sure two. And so uh, we were really excited to announce uh, that we approached uh, Eric Mose to take on that role and he's accepted that and, uh, and Eric will be slotting into that to help with the staff um, to console Doug as he um, deals with me being gone, um, and, uh, and to help with the organizational and mission moving forward, but also helping run a team uh, to look for that next pastoral hire. Uh, and so we're really excited uh, that Eric will be stepping in. So as I finish, 5 p.m. today, uh, Eric jumps in this week, and, uh, and we're excited that we can have that smooth transition between the two of us. Uh, And of course, um, in the coming weeks, uh, Eric and Doug and I will actually be meeting just to go through stuff and and to pass that torch well. Uh, And so that's just to give you that update. There'll be more information down the road on that. uh, And so you can stay tuned for that. And I think even a little bit of information in that letter that's coming uh, this week to you all. All right. Well, uh, I'm going to do this. I see... um, a lot of uh, great faces, so this is the last time I'm gonna see you all in this way. Ah! So, sorry, everybody. Okay, there we go. For all my three followers on social media, I don't even know if Shayna follows me. Well, I do want to uh, extend a special thank you to some people that uh, came out today. Uh, some people traveled a little bit, and, uh, and some people actually from a couple other congregations uh, that are friends uh, came today. So I've, I've uh, texted Riley to say, sorry, I've stole s- some of your members uh, They came here. So, uh, and he, he said, yeah, actually, I wanted just to cancel at First Baptist and just come uh, join us today too. I'm glad he didn't. Uh, It's good that they continue on there. Uh, But yeah, thanks for joining us today. Uh, Thanks for being here. And of course, it is so great uh, as a pastor and coming up here and seeing all of your lovely faces once more. But here we are. we've, We've come to this end. And so what does one say after 12 years of pastoral ministry in one church? And before I do that, we should pray. That'll be important. Uh, Father, I thank you so much uh, for this morning. Again, I thank you for Maddie and her testimony and, uh, and her just excitement uh, to follow you. Being baptized today is so cool. Uh, we thank you for uh, the work that's going on at Briarcrest and, and that she's able to, to be there and study in there. Lord, I thank you for this church family, and as we come to the close of 2023, uh, we also come to a close of my career here and, and just um, different endings, uh, but Lord, you are so good and you have really cool and awesome things ahead for Gospel Chapel, and you, you do for our family as well. Uh, and so I just thank you for that, and we look forward to that too. And so Lord, as, uh, as we hear from the Word, uh, Father, I just pray once again that you would speak through me, uh, that you'd use me today uh, as we finish out 2023. In Christ's name, amen. So yeah, a number of you, uh, so I can't remember when it was, but Doug and I, went for one of our, our walks. Sometimes we go for a walk together and, and go get coffee uh, at Tim Hortons. And, uh, and Doug said, well, what Sunday do you want in kind of the December? And we kind of like, well, maybe it should be my last Sunday. And it also frees uh, Pastor Doug up to kind of have the, the week of Christmas uh, to, to be with his family uh, and to relax in that way. And so we, we came to this decision that December 31st will be my last sermon Which is also my last day. And since then, I've talked to a number of you being like, yeah, it's the last sermon. What do you do? And so I've had a lot of opinions, you know. Uh, You know, you should roast some people and just really let them have it, or uh, you should maybe do some kind of song or fireworks. I don't know. I've decided not to do any of those things. So at the end of the day, I thought, those are all bad ideas. Uh, but today, what I wanted to do is help prepare you for the road ahead. Uh, I want, uh, I want to, to be there for you in this role one last time. Uh, I've been a shepherd here for over 12 years, leaving today. I really, really want the best for you going forward. And I want to give the best wisdom I possibly can for you as you go into 2024. So in order for me to get to the road ahead, first I have to look back a little bit and look in the past. And you've likely heard me say this before, if you've heard any of my sermons. But you've heard me say how um, how how a story ends is so important to everything that came before. If the if the ending is bad, uh, it really leaves a bad taste in your mouth. How how we end is so important for the work that has gone on in the past. So how do you end well? I went to the scriptures to find out, uh, and these were uh, some answers I found. Some, some examples that came up to me, there was three uh, that came up to me uh, uh, that maybe actually weren't great endings, but, but there's something there. So the first was uh, Jonah. And so as far as I could tell, Jonah was mostly a loser. Uh, the book of Jonah ends with him mad at God for saving the good-for-nothing Ninevites, and he sits on this hillside and he says, just let me die, just kill me, I'm done. So that was one that gave <laughs> to mind. The next was uh, Moses, and if you think of Moses' complete story, it's really wild, you know, from murdering someone and fleeing to the desert, uh, then returning to save God's people, and God's people driving him crazy, for years, over 40 years in the desert, and then just before they enter the promised land, God takes them up on a mountain and says, feast your eyes on the promised land. Here it is. And guess what? You're not going to enter it. Uh, And now it's time to die. And then Moses dies, and and God buries him, and no one knows where. And, And then finally, this other character came to mind, and it's not an actual historical person, but it's the older brother and the prodigal son. And, and the prodigal, the older brother, the older son, uh, refuses to join the party when the younger comes back. And, he, and and the story ends with him arguing with his father. And that's it. It just kind of ends almost on this cliffhanger. So three very interesting end- endings, but why these three? Uh, these three don't necessarily have great endings uh, These three stood out to me most because I resonate with them so deeply. You know, the the list grows every year of leaders and of pastors who have failed in really significant ways, stealing money, uh, abusing people with their power, doing unspeakable things. And I want to tell you that there will be none of these stories surfacing about me. Uh, you won't find some, some hidden information down the road that, that we've kept under the rug of some awful, terrible thing that I, I did while I was uh, your pastor here. What you will find, however, was that I fell short more times than I would care to admit. I never wanted to die because of the word God called me to do, like Jonah, but I, I did run from God when he asked me to change things here, when he asked me to change how youth ministry should be done uh, because I felt more afraid of, of man than I did of God. I was more concerned with what people thought of me than what I thought God wanted me to do, what, of what God thought of me, and so I ran. And I've never been openly upset about someone coming to know the Lord or, or a brother or sister who fell away and, and returned uh, to God, but I, I sure have judged people um, in my heart, And I've thought less of people because of the decisions they have made in life and how the decisions I have made somehow put me in some kind of better standing with God, which is a lie. And I've always struggled like that older brother. And I never murdered anyone like Moses, but I have gotten angry and not like the righteous, you know, turning tables Jesus kind of anger, uh, but the one that's selfish and prideful and full of ego. And I've lost my cool on some students while I was the youth pastor. And shortly after the pandemic, I found myself banning my steering wheel with my fists in anger, uh, in just frustration and exhaustion. And you know, when I first took the, the position as this executive pastor, I used this example of Joshua and Caleb coming back from the, the promised land and reporting these words, he said the land which we pass through to spy it out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. And I made the case that if we were bold enough as a church, God is ready to bring us into the promised land. Uh, we must get over our fears of change. And I still believe this to be true. I'm starting to get the sense, though, that we are in a moment of passing a torch from uh, Moses to Joshua. I'm not comparing myself to Moses, the humblest man in the world, uh, but there's a there's a, a turning of a page here. And thankfully, <laughs> thankfully, God hasn't called me to the top of Observation Mountain <laughs> to look over, and then you know I die and He buries me up there or something. Uh, He has not done that, Uh, but I I do wonder, I can't help but wonder if my ending is only opening the way for a new beginning that God wants for this church, and I really believe that the best days uh, for Gospel Chapel are ahead, not behind us. I really believe that, and there's some really cool things ahead, and it's hard for me because I'm going... But wait, why am I not the you know? Why am I not leading that charge? And and you know, and, and you just have to trust the Lord knows what He's doing. Even this morning, I thought, okay, Lord, is there any way out of this? Can I just stay? Uh, can I just call, sit, and be like, I'm out. I just I'm staying here. It's it's too it's too comfortable and good and you know whatever, and it's not uh, it's not happening. I'm sorry, I'm leaving. Um, but. I just really believe that the best days are ahead for for this church. And I have seen myself in Jonah, Moses, and the older brother more times than I'd like to admit. But thankfully, I've also seen myself in Christ, who saves sinners like me. In 1 Timothy 1, it says this, "...the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost." But I received mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. Today is New Year's Eve. It's your last chance to finish those New Year's resolutions, lose those last 10 pounds, spend some time with your spouse, read those 12 books you got. 14 hours. Um, and as you likely know, I love making goals. I love looking ahead. I love trying to improve and, and have more uh, growth in my life. And as I was thinking about 2024 with, with New Year's resolutions and goals and stuff, I sat down to write in my journal um, what I would be doing and stuff. And, and you know what I ended up writing? I ended up writing, forget New, Year, New Year's resolutions, I want more Jesus in 2024. I want more Jesus. And so not that goals are not good. Goals are great and you should have them. But I believe the greatest problem you are going to face in 2024 is not giving Christ the recognition and attention he deserves in your life. So my final challenge to you as your pastor is to not let that happen as best I can. You know, what, what's the greatest gift I could give you? And I think one is just a healthy career, being here. Uh, I think that's a, that's a gift for you. But also, more importantly, is pointing you to Christ. Charles Spurgeon tells of a Welsh minister who spoke to a younger minister about his sermon after hearing it. It was a very poor sermon, he told the young man. Will you tell me why you think it's a poor sermon, came the response. Because, said the Welsh minister, there was no Christ in it. Well, said the young man, Christ was not in the text. We are not to be preaching Christ always. We must preach what is in the text. The exchange continued. Don't you know, young man, that from every town and every village and every little hamlet in England, wherever it may be, there is a road to London? Yes, said the young man. Ah, said the old divine, and so from every text in Scripture, there is a road to the metropolis of the Scriptures, that is Christ. And my dear brother, your business is when you get to a text to say, now what is the road to Christ? And then preach a sermon running along the road towards the great metropolis, Christ. And said he, I have never yet found a text that had not got a road to Christ in it. And if I ever do find one that has not a road to Christ in it, I will make one. I will go over the hedge and the ditch, but I would get at my master. For the sermon can do, cannot do any good unless there is a savor of Christ in it. And that's what I want to do for you this morning. All glory to God for any good that came from my time here being a pastor. And thank God that Jesus saves a sinner like me. Who was entrusted with a leadership role as serious as pastoral ministry because I didn't always get, uh, I didn't always do a great job. But I'm not going to allow this last opportunity to pass without showing you to Christ. And John the Baptist, he had a very specific calling uh, to make way for the Messiah. It says, And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I'm baptizing you here in the river, turning your old life in for a kingdom life. The real action comes next. The main character in this drama, compared to him, I'm a mere stagehand, will ignite the kingdom life within you, a fire within you, the Holy Spirit within you, changing you from the inside out. He's going to clean house, make a clean sweep of your lives. He'll place everything true in its proper place before God. Everything false, he'll put out with the trash to be burned. Friends, allow me to say to you one last time, the day has come to make way for Jesus in your hearts and in your lives. John prepared people for Christ the first time. Allow me to prepare you for Christ the second time. You are going to want to be ready. So as we enter 2024, where should our focus be? As I I look back on some of my previous sermons, uh, I preached on December 31st in 2017. I thought, that's interesting. So I looked up that sermon and, and I wrote these words. A couple of days ago, Miles woke up at 4 a.m. So this was 2017. Miles was pretty little. A couple of days ago, while Miles woke up at 4 a.m. and I could not get him to settle or get back to bed. So there we were sitting, starting the day at 4 in the morning. As I looked out the window I can see that the light, the night was very slowly starting to be pushed back and the stars were disappearing. There was a very small hint of light. I can't help but wonder if Gospel Chapel is experiencing something similar. We can see light in the chaos, but we don't know how much longer we can wait. I'm referring here to the sense of loss we have felt as a church family, not necessarily in terms of looking forward to the next pastor, and that was 2017, so the next pastor is over here. Uh, as we look forward to the next pastor, whoever that's going to be, but just a sense that many of us have really walked through difficult times this year. So I wrote those words in 2017, and six years later, I'm I'm not sure how much has changed. We continue to walk through difficulty as a church and as individuals. Henry Claussen retired at the end of 2016, and I'm making a career change at the end of 2023. And this past year, we've had significant loss. I myself have done seven funerals in this last year, and that didn't include uh, everyone. So the point is 2024, I don't think is going to be some kind of magical year that's different. We're still going to face a lot of uncertainty. We will walk through pain and loss, and we don't know what's ahead. But throughout it all, back in 2017 and today, Jesus remains. He is the constant. Amen. We know we are going to walk through this, so why not do it with Christ? Yeah. So I'm going to invite Tammy Battersby and Brenda Semenoff. You guys can make your way up. Uh, I've, uh, I've asked uh, some staff members, some previous staff members, thanks, Doug, uh, to read some scripture, actually. And I didn't ask Lindsay because she said she wasn't going to be here. But she's here. She's She snuck in on me, so now anyways, Lindsay, sorry. So what should our focus be in 2024? Our focus should be our relationship with Jesus. And so there's some really key scriptures here that I think are gonna point us in that direction.
1: Thank you, Ben. Um, Colossians chapter one, verses sixteen to seventeen. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Matthew 28, 16-20 Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to a mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age.
2: Acts 1, 6 to 11. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who is taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven."
0: Sometimes I think we are like the disciples. Jesus gives us these clear instructions uh, that Tammy and Brenda just read for us. He gives us these clear instructions and we stand around and we look at the sky, going, okay, uh, to the point where they're like, okay, well, send the angel down and tell him to get on with it. And we, we just kind of wonder, well, what are we supposed to do next? We wonder how should we live our lives? So let me tell you, Love Jesus more. Go deeper than you ever have. Trust him more. Grow in him more. Dane Ortlund puts it this way, He's not a bobblehead savior to be smiled at and merely added to an otherwise well-oiled life. He is the mighty sustainer of the universe, to whose supreme rule we will bow the knee in either this life or the next Have you reduced the Lord Jesus to a safe, containable, predictable Savior who pitches in and helps out your otherwise smoothly running existence? Have you treated what is spiritually nuclear as a double A battery? Might one reason we stall out in our growth in Christ be that we have unwittingly domesticated the expansive authority and rule of Jesus Christ over all things? Might we be lacking an appropriate fear of Wonder at, trembling before, the Lord Jesus, the real Jesus, who will one day silence the raging of the nations with a moment's whisper. If he is the friend of sinners, and if you know yourself to be a sinner, then let him befriend you more deeply than you ever have. Open up to him as you do to no other earthly friend. Let him love you as a friend of failures, the invincible ally of the weak. So here's the problem. I can't give you the five steps to ensure growth in your relationship with Jesus. It's not the same as just coming up with a plan for your career goals or for weight loss or or saving money. I can't tell you that you will be guaranteed to grow in your relationship with Christ if you just do the following things. We cannot cause ourselves to grow any more than we can cause a plant to grow. However, just like a plant, we can find the right environments to put ourselves in to set ourselves up for growth. So I'd like to invite Henry Claussen and Doug Dunbar uh, up to read the next portion of scriptures. And this helps us point towards that growth. I'm
3: reading from Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving.
4: Ephesians 3:17 to 19.
3: and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Galatians
4: 516 16-26 But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another.
0: Okay, so here we go. If we want to go deeper in a relationship with Christ, if we want to see change and transformation in our lives, we must continually abide in Him. Those passages that were just read are worth the the cost of admission this morning. They are so good, uh, and they should lead us into 2024. We must take our eyes off of ourselves and fix them on Jesus. Commune with him, ponder him, receive his love and counsel from scriptures, see him preached and through sacraments at church. We are rooted and established in him through faith, and faith is trusting the promises given to us through scripture. To trust these promises, we must know them by reading and hearing the word taught, and hearing the word taught on Sundays and throughout the week. And that's why. The Sunday sermon is so crucial, so good for us. Receiving and trusting all that God is for us in Christ. Believing is receiving Christ, who is the bread of life. Without Christ, we can do nothing of any value. If there has been anything of kingdom gospel value that has been done while I was a pastor, it was because of Christ. And if that is true, that means I was in fact abiding in Christ. And this is also connected to the fruit of the Spirit, which Pastor Doug read. Do people say to your face, I find that you are often loving, joyful, peaceful, patient, kind, good, faithful, gentle, and self-controlled? Do they say that behind your back? Which would be hard to know, I understand, uh, unless you heard from someone else. And this is why community is so crucial. This is why church is so important. We need one another to tell us honestly when we are not abiding. If the elders or the pastors or the church community is telling you, hey, you're often not very loving or you lack joy or you have no peace or you're impatient or you're unkind or you're unfaithful or harsh and you have no self-control, even if one of these things is often true of you, you should listen up and get back to abiding with Christ. In 2024, ask yourself each day, am I becoming more like Christ or am I defaulting to my flesh, my sinful desires and nature? So I started this sermon telling you that the greatest problem you're going to face in 2024 is not giving Christ the recognition and attention he deserves in your life. And I just want to end with imploring you to take Christ seriously and again, it's hard to say, well, here is the list, or here's all the things, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run the risk anyway. Uh, I love my wife a lot. On some level, I feel that I've, I've loved her since I met her. I think about her constantly. I can't wait to see her after work each day. I love spending time with her. A lot of what I do and the decisions I make are motivated by my love for Shana, I want to serve her, I'd lay down my life for her, and I'm absolutely crazy about her. How much more should that be true for my relationship with Jesus? Thinking about him constantly, can't wait to talk to him throughout the day, love spending time with him, making decisions motivated by my love for him, serving him and laying down my life for him. And honestly, my love for Shana flows from my love for Christ, or it should, for it is he who has given me good gifts like my amazing wife, and I praise him for it. I should look forward to Sunday so I can hear more about him and I can worship him. I should look forward to serving in the church because ultimately I am serving him. I should desire meeting in a community group or a discipleship group where I am held accountable and asked if I'm actually abiding and if I'm growing or if I'm falling into desires of the flesh. My money is for his glory. My stuff is for his glory. My time is for his glory. The way that I talk about other people, how I interact with others, what I do and say online, everything I do should be motivated to go deeper, draw closer, and fall more in love with Jesus Christ, my Lord. So friends, if your life isn't all about Christ, then start making those changes. Forget everything else you want to pursue in 2024. Just forget it and pursue Christ. Abide, get rooted, remain, stay grounded, be built up, get established. Everything in your life for 2024 depends on this. Get over yourself, drop your petty arguments and bitterness, grow up and dive into the depths of Christ for his love for you. He is so good. Everything you do should be motivated by the singular hyper-focused attention on Christ. And friends, if you don't know Christ, what are you waiting for? Jesus loves you so much. He came and died on the cross for you. He wants that relationship with you. And if you don't know him, today is the day. I'll go back in that baptismal tank if you want me to. (sighs) So as a pastor, I always felt that Eugene Peterson gave the words I couldn't. So one last time, allow me to share a quote uh, of what I tried to accomplish these last 12 years. I saw myself assigned to give witness to the sheer livability of the Christian life. That everything in Scripture and Jesus was here to be lived in the mess of work and sin, of families and neighborhoods, my task was to pray and give direction and encourage that lived quality of the gospel patiently, locally, and personally. Patiently, I would stay with these people there are no quick or easy ways to do this. Locally, I would embrace the conditions of this place, economics, weather, culture, schools, whatever, so that there would be nothing abstract or piously idealized about what I was doing. And personally, I would know them, know their names, know their homes, know their families, know their work, but I would not pry. I would not treat them as a cause or a project. I would treat them with dignity. Preaching, of course, is part of it. Teaching is part of it. Administrating a congregation as a community of faith is part of it. But the overall context of my particular assignment in the pastoral vocation, as much as I am able to do it, is to see to it that these men and women in my congregation
4: <laughs>
0: become aware of the possibilities and the promise of living out in personal and local detail what is involved in following Jesus and be a companion to them as we do it together. I thought I might say a few more things. I'm not going to. I'm going to leave it there. I am going to invite the elders, Pastor Doug. I'm going to invite my family, if they're able... (laughs)
3: Praise several uh, scripture verses as we pray together. I pray, Heavenly Father, that You would count Ben worthy of the calling You have placed on his life; that by Your power You'd fulfill every good purpose You have in mind for him, and every act prompted by his faith. I pray this so that Your name, Lord Jesus, would be glorified in him according to Your grace. Father, help Ben to be on guard against the evil one, to stand firm in the faith, to be a man of courage, to be strong, to do everything in love. Your scripture tells us that the steps of a godly man are directed by you, and you delight in every detail of their lives. But Ben will stumble, he will not fall, for you, Lord, hold him by the hand. The godly offer good counsel. They know what is right from wrong. They fill their hearts with God's law, so they will never slip from his path. Father, I pray for wisdom for Ben as he moves forward and realize your word tells us the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. I pray for your peace to guard his heart and his mind. In Christ Jesus. Pray that also for Shana. Rest of the family. Be still. Cease striving. Relax. Let go. And know that I am God. And may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved you and by his grace gave you encouragement and good hope. encourage your heart and strengthen you in every good deed and word. Amen. Lord, I thank you uh, for Ben and Shane and the kids, and I just pray that you would continue to be their rock um, when times are hard, when times are easy, um, and that their love would continue to grow for you, that you would continue to use them,
4: that you would continue to bless them and make them a blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom, to him, be glory forever and ever. Amen.